I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have to. You have to restart. You have to restart. I'm sorry. You came. You came in like. You know. Oh, really? <laughs> Your voice was so high when you came out. I, like, <laughs> I just started cracking up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Uh, the official only English Schalke Podcast uh, brought to you by the fans, for the fans. Uh, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for joining us once again for the Schalke Podcast. Uh, we are actually happy to be uh, doing this podcast this time because it's uh, a change of uh, results for once. Uh, let me bring in the co-host, uh, as always, Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing on this Victory Monday? Vic- Monday pod, let's go, dude. It has been a long time since we've been able to say that. Too what long. Was this, like eight, eight match days ago? Yeah, uh, man. What was it, like January maybe? Um, something like that, maybe early February. Uh, far too long since it's been one of these, but, but thank goodness for that because... Going into this weekend, uh, it had the potential to go pretty well for us and, and be huge for us in the context of the season, and it had the potential to be a, a pretty rough weekend as well if, if things did not go our way. Um, you know, coming into this weekend, just three points ahead of Stuttgart, um, we were playing Hanover, which is, I guess, you could argue, sort of a relegation six pointer, and then Stuttgart going up against Frankfurt, a team that you would expect them to lose to so it was one of those things where you know if frankfurt takes care of business like we expect them to and we take care of business like you know we're expected to suddenly we have a six-point gap over uh stuttgart in 16th place but you know if the results went the wrong way we would have been tied on points and it would have been um you know just i don't even want to think about that i mean i would i would have been freaking out this past weekend if it had gone in that direction but but luckily uh both of those sunday results went the way we wanted them to and uh, i think everyone in Schalke nation is probably breathing a little bit easier at least for the time being <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I couldn't have said any better. I mean, we were in a dire situation, and we talked about this on the last podcast that this was a must win of must wins, right? A draw would be okay, you know, especially if Stuttgart won, but it would only be a one point difference at that point still. Too close for comfort. We needed a win, and we needed Stuttgart to lose. Uh, luckily, our, our friends over at Frankfurt, they helped us out. Uh, they won't be our friends next weekend, but we'll get to that later. Um, they, uh, they they beat Stuttgart, as, as, as you mentioned, and. Uh, We needed the win, and we got the win this weekend. But before we get into the match, Jack, we had some. Uh, the international break is never a fun time for anybody. I mean, I mean, occasionally, if you if you follow a team like we do, the U.S. men's national team, you like to watch the youngsters play and, and see what they got. Um, you know, it, it's it, it it can be fun to watch at times, but for the most part, nobody likes these international breaks. And the main reason is because people get injured, and uh, one of our uh, one of our favorite sons, Weston McKinney. He ends up rupturing his ankle in the, I believe, Ecuador game, Jack? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Ecuador game. Um, it, it was an exciting international break for U.S. men's national team fans because it, it was an opportunity to see the Bundesliga trio 
uh, of Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams, yeah. and Weston McKinney in action together on the field, um, you know, basically for the first time, uh, which is something that, you know, has been long, long awaited. Um, and, and so it, we all wanted to see that. I wanted to see that too. But in the back of my head, you know, you're, you're thinking, eh, let's get Weston off here sooner rather than later just because the last thing we need is an injury and then, you know, wouldn't you know it? Um, I think it was early in the second half probably. He goes up for a uh, like a 50-50 aerial challenge and just lands funny on his ankle. And it, it was a really nasty-looking injury. He just totally rolled his ankle, looked like a high ankle sprain or something. Um, and there, I mean, there was concern that he they fractured something initially. Uh, he he really had a hard time getting off the pitch. I think he was ultimately stretched off maybe yeah, I think um, so. at, at, at some point. So that is just you know absolutely the last thing. Schalke needed at this point. Weston McKinney has been one of the better players this season. Um, I think you'd be hard pressed to argue with that. And, uh, you know, especially in the run of form that we've been in recently where he's consistently looked like one of the, the brighter players in our squad, just to lose him is just such a massive blow. And then you, you pair that with, you know, Bentola being sent to the U23s and suddenly, you know, a couple of our best midfield players aren't available. So, uh, it doesn't look like he's probably going to be back before the end of the season. We'll have to wait and see. I, I don't think there's a definite timetable for his return, but, um, it certainly looked pretty nasty, and I would be surprised if they rushed him back. So, uh, best wishes to Weston from from you and I for sure, and uh, hopefully he's okay long term. Yeah, we, we we certainly hope he is. I mean, initial prognostication is that he is out several weeks. Uh, so start, we have these several difficult fixtures coming up. You know, Hoffenheim, uh, the Riviera Derby, obviously uh, Frankfurt next weekend. He's gonna miss all these games, and uh, like you said, it's very possible he can miss the entire season. So. Um, not what we need now with he was one of our, our more consistent players this season. So uh, when I saw the play happen, I was like cringe because I'm like, no, this does not look good at all. But luckily, it was like I think, like you said, it was a high ankle sprain. That's what they believe, and uh, they just think it's after several weeks he'll be he'll be healed and should be back and good to go. But that happened, and uh, you know we we were uh, that happened. Nothing can do about it, right? So we had to go into this next game. Uh, which was against Hanover, um, and we had, didn't have one of our most consistent players, but uh, we we trudged out, out there nonetheless. And um, this game would be on the road in Hanover, uh, but you really wouldn't know it, Jack, because uh, we had ten thousand traveling Shaka fans. Uh, despite what the condition of the club is, they're still supporting hard, and uh, I mean it's a great, great traveling contingent there by Shaka. Listening to the broadcast uh, at home, the chants you were hearing were, were Schalke chants, yep. by and large. It definitely sounded where release was coming across on TV as as a, as a home game. So, uh, credit to the Schalke support who who traveled to that match. Um, I know it's not the easiest of seasons to to get behind the team in that way, but um, great show of support coming out of the international break, and I'm I'm sure that support you know definitely helped the team's mentality uh, on the road in a big match. So that was that was awesome to see. So let's get into the lineups real quick uh, for both teams because both teams had some interesting players in this one. Um, we're definitely going to get to Shaka, but let's start with the home team. Uh, Mikael Esser started in goal. He had a, actually a pretty good game in this one. Um, in defense, you had Sorg, Anton, Wimmer, and Albernors. And then in the midfield, you had Haraguchi, uh, Bacalorts, and Mina. And then Schwegler, Weindant, who's been the leading goal scorer for Hanover and, and Mueller. Um of those names, Wydant had to be the one that uh, put more fear, most fear in your eyes because considering all the goals he's had this season. Yeah, they mentioned on the uh, the broadcast that he was like the, the German 
Jamie Vardy, apparently, which I wasn't yeah. aware of, that he was, you know, just in, in the fourth division last season or a couple seasons ago or something like that. So interesting rise for him. Uh, yeah, the leading scorer on the season, definitely somebody you're looking out for. Nikolai Muller as well. Haraguchi, always a really shifty player. Um, it, it was actually interesting watching this Hanover team. There, there were several different players that, that popped out at various moments as uh, looking very, very capable, very dangerous. Yeah. And, and so watching that, it was interesting, you know, knowing where they are in the table. To, to, to think of how those players haven't combined on a more consistent basis to, um, you know, manage some results for them. Because they definitely look like they have a couple of players that are that are pretty talented there. Yeah, it's got a couple of players that I think stood out to me. Obviously, Haraguchi, I mean, he's a set, he's very good at set pieces and he's also very good on the ball dribbling. And then you had uh, Bacalortz, uh, who was um, ever pre- omnipresent in that midfield. And he had a couple of good opportunities in the game and... Uh, we'll get to one in particular in, in the opening minutes, but uh, before we do that, let's let's look at the Shaka lineup um, and goal once again. Young Nubel uh, looks like he cemented his place in, in the starting rotation at the at the moment, at least. Uh, in defense, you had uh, Bruma, Sane, and Astasic. No surprises there. Uh, in the midfield, this is where we're, a little bit of a surprise for me. You had um, Suatzer, nice insertion, Ochipka, and then you had Mascarell, Stambouli, and Sebastian Rudy. Three players who similar they play pretty much the same position uh, for the most part. Um, and then you also had, obviously, Uth and Mbolo leading the way. What did you make of of Stambouli, Rudy, and Mascaro playing together in the lineup when you initially saw that? Yeah. Um, obviously not ideal. I think Bentaleb and McKenney have been probably our two best midfielders this season, so those are guys that I would like to be seeing involved. Obviously, that that's not going to happen in the, in the current situation. So, uh, Rudy... Mascarell, Serdar, all, all three of them, you would argue, have had disappointing seasons after being brought in in the summer. Um, Stan Bouley, uh, being played at right wing back, sort of. Uh, we, obviously, Caligiuri, the first choice there. Uh, Andre, uh, Alessandro Schupp was injured earlier in the season. Uh, and then Caligiuri went down recently. And then Weston McKenney, who was the third choice, who had been filling in there, obviously injured in that international break. And uh, poor Sasha Reeder just can't get on the pitch. <laughs> No matter who goes down, they play Stambouli out there, which was a really interesting move. Um, and I actually thought he acquitted himself fairly well. Uh, usually you don't think that maybe he has the athleticism to get up and down the pitch in that position, but we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that later. Yeah, um, yeah. but Mascarell is sort of the six deep, um, and then Rudy and Serdar slightly more advanced. Uh, Braylon Bolo after scoring for Switzerland in the international break up top alongside uh, alongside Mark Oot. So um, it was going to have to be a performance from that midfield trio that you talked about, um, a better performance from them than what we've seen for most of the season. And I think for us to get a result in, uh, you could argue various players one way or the other, but um, at least one person ultimately stepped up. This is true. And uh, but before we get to that, look at the, look at the bench. And uh, first name on the bench is Sasa Ritter. Uh, I mentioned him because he actually got some play time this uh, during the international break against Sevilla. Um, he was, I think he even, maybe even captained the team during that game. But, um, yeah, the team didn't look that great against Sevilla, but uh, I digress. Uh, also on the bench, we had Yevan Konoplyanka. He came in the 90th minute for Imbolo. Cedric Toykert, who got a start against Sevilla. Hamza Mandel. Um, and then the interesting name was Mike, Mikael Langer. Uh, he, was in, he was on the bench as opposed to Fairman. And then, uh, obviously, Katuchu and uh, Bujilai, I don't even know how to say his last name. Um, he was on the on the bench as well. But let's let's talk about the goalkeeper situation on the bench. No Fairman. Do we know anything why he wasn't there? Was it an injury or was it just choice for Stevens? 
I thought it was an injury thing, but I could potentially be wrong about that. I'll have to I'll have to double check that. Maybe maybe there was something else going on that I wasn't aware of. Um, because that would certainly be interesting if that was just a pure selection thing rather than um uh, a fitness a fitness issue. Yeah, you would you would hope it's nothing. It was nothing more than just a fitness thing because I mean we've seen him in the other the other game I guess that Stevens managed. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was curious for me. I just, you know, usually you're looking for Fireman when you're on the bench or, or just looking for Fireman in general. And when you don't see him at all on the sheet, you're like, huh, what's going on here? Uh, but the youngster, you know, from the, the two youngsters, really, they get they got in, in the game, uh, Katushu in the 71st and Buyalab in the 79th. Um, but but yeah, he, was, he was just a recent addition over yeah. the international break because I think he, I think he played uh, Sevilla. In, in Sevilla and then they uh, they officially called him up and, and brought him to the first team on a permanent basis for the rest of the season I think um, so I was I was interested to see how he was going to perform and I thought he looked pretty pretty good in that Sevilla game um, he was one of the few bright spots for the team there are a lot of youngsters it's good to see the youngsters out there playing as well and um, also recently uh, Chan got the got the call up as well for for. Uh, from the youth squad as well, so we'll see uh, what he can do going forward in the, either the DFP Pokal or uh, in Frankfurt next week. Um, so yeah, uh, there's the lineup there. Uh, let to get let's get right into the game. Really, um, the game was uh, interesting to say the least because. Hanover's a team who's uh, well below us in the points. Oh, I shouldn't say well, but they're below us in the point and points and in table. Um, and we, you would have thought going into this that Schalke should have at least had a good opportunity to show some dominance in, in a game for once. Uh, maybe get the upper hand, maybe feel controlled. But uh, we didn't get that sense, Jack. It seemed like uh, Hanover meant business, and and it was a little bit of a cagey beginning. Um, but I think really we're on the I want to say 18th minute or so. Uh, Vidant, the uh, the German uh, Jimmy Vardy, uh, he gets a hard shot off off of like a a loose play. Nubel comes up with a, a great reaction save, um, and from that moment on, uh, for the next several several minutes, it seemed like Hanover were just in uh, full flight mode and and just getting every opportunity, staying in there and in, in the Schalke end and putting shot after shot on Nubel. It was a pretty good start. From Schalke, but then, as you say, right around maybe around the fifteenth minute or so, it kind of started to turn. Um, I, I think the play you're referencing was off of actually a, a corner kick, but the ball was kind of cleared out, played back in, cleared out again, and uh, this time it wasn't cleared all the way out of the box, and, and it fell to Vidan who hit it first time. And uh, I mean, he forced a phenomenal save from Nubel. It was absolutely on target, absolutely going in, and uh, just a great, great reaction save. Uh, so if if Nubel can continue to make those kind of saves. Um, it's going to be hard for Fairman to regain his spot. Oh, 100%. And um, that's the one thing we've noticed with Noble. His reactions have been outstanding so far for Schalke. Um, you know, Schalke just continues to struggle mightily. Uh, there was a play where uh, Marvin Bacalortz, uh he was just like weaving through the team like nobody wanted to play defense. And, and Bruma ended up fouling him just outside the box. I mean, they, they just look very sloppy for... I want to say at least 12 minutes straight right after that Vidan shot. Um, they, they couldn't seem to put, uh, you know, a string one or two passes together. Um, they could barely get out of their own half. It just didn't seem like a team that was higher in the table than, than, than Hanover. Hanover looked like they were a much better team. Looked like, like almost a top half, uh, top table team. Um, what'd you make of, of the, all of a sudden the, the shift in momentum, you think it's just because of the, cause they were on the road and Hanover were feeding off the team, or did you think they were smelling blood in the water and and really trying to, to get a goal there really early? 
I mean, it's a, it's a desperate situation for both teams. Schalke's not that good. They've been shaky at the back this season. Uh, you know, I think once Hanover got a little bit of a rhythm going, uh, they, they realized that they, they absolutely could score on Schalke, and I'm surprised that they didn't in this match. I actually thought it was interesting. This game kind of presented itself very similarly to the Schalke-Leipzig match right before the end of uh, – right before the, the international break. Good catch, yeah. And I, I kind of felt like the roles were maybe a little bit reversed. Like I, I thought it was a fairly even match, but I thought that Hanover probably had the best of it and had just a number of opportunities to score and just for whatever reason could not finish it. And, and you know, Schalke, Schalke nabbed the one goal and go on and win it. And that's, that's kind of how that, that Leipzig match played out. So that was, that was an interesting parallel, you know, bookending the international break. But uh, yeah, I mean, luckily we were able to weather that storm, at least initially um, prior to, to us getting on the board first, because we, 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 we haven't had a lead that often in matches um, this this season. I think there was a stat at some point that somebody threw out that uh, Schalke haven't led at halftime all season. I don't know if that's true. I'd have to double-check that. I um, heard the same thing, and I was like, really? But, I, I mean, I guess it wouldn't surprise me, but I mean, so, I mean, that tells you how important that is. I mean, that's such a huge thing for us to get a goal in the, early in the match. So, like I said, luckily we were able to you know, weather that storm from, from Hanover and, and, and turn the match around a little bit. And we did weather that storm, really. It wasn't around, it was about the 30th minute or so, the half hour mark. Shaka started getting into the game more, getting more of the possession. Um, you saw a little bit more de- desperation come out of Shaka, especially out of Stambul around the 35th or so. Uh, he had a, a nice, great, ugly run. Uh, he gets by, he causes a turnover uh, and then gets by about like three players at least. Um, gets a shot off that um, Mikael Esser uh, makes a, a brilliant save on. And uh, honestly, um, he's been, he's been one of uh, the shining bright uh, moments for Hanover this season. He's just making save after save because he's been called upon so many times in the game. So he makes a he makes a great save on Stambouli. But I mean, that's a positive play overall by Shaka, uh, showing desperation, especially Stambouli. Of course, Stambouli is going to lead the way and. Um, he, he he proved dividends right there. I mean, he he nearly got the goal for Schalke there in the thirty fifth. Was, was that Harit under the mask, pretend, <laughs> pretending to be like a Batman? Stambul- I mean, like <laughs> phenomenal run. Like yeah, he, he, thought, he thought that he was going to be taken off the ball like multiple times during that, and just for whatever reason, just kept sliding past people. It was a beautiful piece of play. Um, maybe could have tried to find a teammate there instead of taking that himself, but it wasn't a bad shot ultimately, and, and really did force a a good save from Esser. So. Uh, nice piece of play from from Stan Bully. Not somebody that you usually associate with uh, an attacking threat for us. Not somebody who's usually creating those opportunities, but uh, stepping up in a big way and, and and you know filling filling that role in the absence of some of the other guys. Yeah, maybe he was uh, taking the role of Caligiri, who's 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 he's more known for those kind of runs than than Stambouli is. And Stambouli continued on this Caligiri run uh, of form in the 39th minute, just minutes later. Uh, he from the right wing, he crosses it low inside. Suat Serda wrangles it in somehow. Great first touch to set it up and bangs home a goal, low far corner. Uh, goal five minutes before the halftime, which is crucial. I mean, a goal in general for Schalke is great. Uh, but what a goal! What a first goal for Suat Serda. What an assist by uh, Stambouli. Overall, great play and a, a goal from open play for once. Uh, uh, wins all around, right there, right? Phenomenal goal. It, it really was. Uh, and much needed because you know lo- losing six of our last seven going into this one haven't scored in five of those seven games. Uh, goals have been so hard to come by, and uh, you wouldn't have expected it to be Suat Serdar who comes up. I think with his first goal of the season, um, 
there. What, I mean, what a time to do it. But uh, Stan Blue picks up the ball right-hand side, and he's, he's kind of streaking up the right-hand side, and you can tell that he's going to be overtaken because he just doesn't have the speed. But he plays in a great curling ball uh, right before you know the defender gets in the way of it uh, from the right side into Stuart Sitter. And Stuart Sitter takes a brilliant first touch. He, he, he kind of controls it with the outside of his right foot yeah. to steady it. And then he just, you know, picks his spot and goes, le- you know, far left post uh, uh, past the keeper. Just a, a really, really composed finish and, and a nice piece of play from him. Um, and just vitally important goal because, I mean, as you talked about earlier, Hanover looked like they were definitely had goals in them. And, and to get that one uh, right before halftime was was absolutely massive. And uh, I think Suat Serdar probably had maybe his best performance of this season. And I'm not saying that because of the goal. Um, he, he was he was very lively. He was involved in a lot, um, you know, contrasting him with somebody like Rudy, who once again I thought was just almost completely anonymous. Um, Suat Serdar really needed to step up in this match. Somebody did at least. And I think he, he did that nicely and, and put in a really good performance. So that's promising because uh, obviously we were worried about who in the midfield was going to be able to create anything for us, giving the absences of some of the better guys. Absolutely. And, and we go, we we're, were both in agreement. I think that Semboli did his job of, of being playing very well in the midfield. Rudy didn't do so much in the midfield, but I want to, I want to shift it over to Omar Mascarell. What was your impressions of him uh, in this game? Cause I was uh, pleasantly surprised by his performance. I, I thought he was all right defensively. Um, I wasn't thrilled with him as, I don't know if the, the fulcrum, if you want to call it that. Distributor. I, yeah, I think part of that is the the off-the-ball movement in front of them is just terrible. It's non-existent. I mean, basically what you have is you have the center backs playing balls horizontally to each other, and then they'll go hit Stan Bowie or Hilo Chipka, and it usually is a cul-de-sac, and they turn it right back around. And occasionally, you know, a ball will get played into Mascarell, and that's one of those moments where he should be able to, you know, do a shoulder check, potentially turn, and see if he can find somebody, but you know, Rudy, Serdar, these people aren't dropping back to try to make themselves available for for the ball. So there's really there's really nowhere for him to go. So it, it, for me, it was a little bit hard to judge him. I wasn't like thrilled with him, but I don't think you can put it entirely on him. I think as a team, and this has been a problem all season. We just like we have no idea how to get anything going on the offensive end. So much of it is like transition stuff when we look dangerous it's on it's on breakaways like when we're sitting in possession we just i just don't think that the off the ball movement the effort you know the, the rotation is, is there for us to consistently you know get people out of position and and, and you know create outlets for our the rest of our, our teammates so um yeah i mean i'd love to hear your thoughts on it clearly you were more impressed with him than i was well it's not necessarily to say that omar muscarell did anything you know fantastic in the game uh the fact is that i thought he didn't make any turnovers, really, and the ball kept finding him. And um, defensive midfielders that we had in that position this season, they seem to turn it over more often than not, give away bad passes, and call, and we lose possession. And I didn't think he uh, wasn't necessarily in position to turn it over that often, which is you know better than what we had this season. So maybe looking comparing it to how it was this season so far, it was it was okay, but I mean, it's still not where it needs to be. But uh, you know. I know you feel a different way in terms of how the defensive midfielder position should be played. Yeah, I don't disagree with all of what you just said at all. Uh, I guess one of the things I always look for with somebody in that position is is how often, when they're in possession of the ball, when they're looking to receive the ball, how often are they facing the opponent's goal, looking downfield, you know, trying to pick out a pass, 
you know, break the opponent line, something like that. And how often are they facing their own goal or facing the sideline? Um, and mask. This is not entirely Mascarell's fault, as I, I think alluded to a minute ago. Just because I, I think I don't think people are providing him enough outlet um, in, in front of him. But so often when he got the ball, you know, he's he's kind of running backwards to receive it and then playing it immediately back to one of the center backs or playing it out wide like Ochipka or Stambouli. And uh, he's very rarely in a position to actually kind of assess the field and, and play a pass forward. And that's just not a really productive um, style of play for me in that position. And I, I don't like giving Max Meyer credit, but um, when he was you know on his role in the first part of last season, you know, he, he was receiving that ball, but you know, he, he was, constantly looking at at the at the opponent goal and, and facing in that direction and playing um more direct forward passes and i think that is something we've been lacking a lot this season and, and part of the reason why we've had trouble building anything um you know outside of when we you know have breakaways and stuff on transition i'm scrolling through instagram right now and oh jack mangan likes a photo of max meyer no i'm just kidding um, how dare you <laughs> no i the I, only I, photos i like are a franco de santa you know that that's just true this is very true you hung out hang up in your wall in the bedroom i understand <laughs> no i agree with everything you're saying there um yeah shaka need to do better than that in that respect and uh there's a there are long ways to where they need to be. Uh, still, a lot a lot to, a lot needs to be done with them, and including the defensive midfielder position. Um, wh- whomever plays it, I thought some of the best midfielder play that we've had this season from the position has probably come from Sambuli uh, the couple times that he's played that position. So, um, anyway, so let's let's move on uh, to the second half because I thought the you know, first half was pretty pretty even uh, uh, for the most part. Second half, the man who scored a goal in the first half, he uh, he got off to. Another strong start in the second half. Um, he uh, he was he must have loved that goal that he had and was was itching for more because uh, he got him get another shot off tar- on target on Esser. Uh, Esser made the save on this one, um, but you know Swatzerger's obviously feeling 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 the the goal that he got and and, and feeling the confidence coming in uh, to take another shot because it's not how many often how many times this season has he gotten. Multiple shots off in a game. I mean, I don't know if he really has. Um, this is the most we've seen him in the offensive end uh, the whole season. Yeah, certainly not multiple shots on, on target, I don't think. Um, yeah, you know, why not? You know, get the first one, feeling a little confident. It's good to see somebody have some confidence on the pitch and somebody, you know, having desire to, to take people on and try to make something happen. So I uh, wasn't able to get that second one in, but it was, you know, decent strike. And, and uh, like I said earlier, was was lively in a lot of different areas of the game and certainly one of his better performances, I think. It was a very positive um, attack-minded performance from him. One of the uh, substitutions that Hanover made at halftime uh, was bringing in Florent Muslia, who I thought had a pretty uh, pretty good half the, the, when he came in. And um, he started... Uh, He's obviously good on the ball. He obviously on one play in particular, he went solo, um, trying to beat. I think he'd be two guys, nearly beat a third guy, um, and that nearly paid off going solo like that because his rocket of a shot hits off the corner of the post and the crossbar staying out. Um, nothing Nuble or any keeper in the world could have done. I mean, that was just a, a well hit, well struck shot. Um, I, I for a moment there thought I saw. I, I thought that was a goal. I was I was like, oh, but, but luckily, luckily. Uh, the post uh, made a big save there. You feel for the Hanover fans, man, because I mean they're in the same position. I mean they're in a worse position, yeah, yeah. than we are. And uh, their team didn't play horribly uh, on the weekend. I think they had some like fifteen shots, maybe. Um, certainly more shots than we did, and, and that was just one more example 
of uh, a shot that absolutely, you know, it, with a little bit of luck, could have could have caused some serious problems. It was a great strike. It was a great piece of individual play, and just you know, just slightly inches too high, and, and it hits that uh, that that top corner and bounces out. But yeah, great effort on goal there. Look at the performances of these two teams. You know, if you didn't know what the records were, where they were in the table, or anything like that, you would have thought Shaka or the the team in the relegation zone in Hanover were the team, you know, getting close, but they're they're good enough that they're not going to get in the relegation zone. That's not what it was was the case in uh, Hanover. They were getting stronger and stronger in the second half. Goes, I mean, I thought by far they were the best team in the second half. Um, they kept pressing uh, against Shaka, kept getting uh, opportunities. Nubil kept gaining confidence because he was forced to make saves and uh, another. Game-saving stop, if you will, came off of Nikolai Muller. Um, a, a great shot by him, and 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 another great reaction save by Nubel. Again, his paw out there, stopping it there. The one thing Nubel, uh, we keep praising. Well, the the first thing we praise is obviously is, is this distribution, but his reactionary saves, um, they're they're spectacular. I mean, he he either it's point blank or from a distance, his reactions. Um, I think if he thinks too much is when he when he maybe will muff up a little bit maybe, but uh, you know, the, when he's not thinking and just all reaction, I mean, he it's a, it's a beaut basically to watch. Duba played, yeah, Duba played fantastically. I think his first half save was probably the better of those two, but this one yes. you're talking about is, is another excellent one as well. And Hanover just wasteful, man. I mean. Plenty of shots just didn't get all of them on target, and a lot of the ones they did get on target, Nubel was there and up for the task. So, yeah, hats off to him. Big performance between the sticks. And uh, if he hadn't had the performance he did, this this one might have very well gone differently. Absolutely. I, I think for me, he was man of the match. Um, he single-handedly pretty much won that game. I mean, yeah, obviously you want to give Suat Serdar and Sambuli some credit, obviously, too, because then the goal wouldn't happen. But I think Sambuli, or excuse me, Nubel, rather, uh, made some big saves, some timely saves as well. So for me, he's gonna be man of the match, and uh, it's not really gonna be close for me because I I, th- I think he was that good. Uh, do you see him as a man of the match, or are you leaning any another way? Certainly, fair shout. Uh, I wouldn't argue with you if if that's you know what you say. Um, Stan Bully was pretty good. Serdar was good as well. Um, I think any of those guys could have gotten the nod. <laughs> Well, that win, as you mentioned earlier, broke an eight-game winless run in all competitions for Schalke and saw them uh, leapfrog Augsburg uh, to another six points clear of the bottom three. And then, like I said, they have now Augsburg in between them and and, the, and Stuttgart. So um, a win-win in that situation because uh, Augsburg lost this weekend. So um, if we go ahead and, and look at the standings, uh, Schalke, they're still in 14th place. They're still, you know, in the in the relegation area, if you will, um, the bottom two Hanover's in last place with fourteen, and two points above them is Nuremberg, uh, and then it's four points from them. It's Stuttgart at twenty points still, Augsburg's at twenty five and at fifteenth position, and then we are in fourteenth position at twenty six. So we're, we're one point ahead of them. I uh, look at the goal differential between all these teams. My goodness, uh, so Schalke is a negative sixteen. Uh, Augsburg's in minus 13, so they're a little bit better than us. Stuttgart's is negative 33, Nuremberg's in negative 30, and Hanover's negative 38. So, ooh, I thought our defense was bad, but uh, it's not even close compared to these teams. Um, so, yeah, a good win overall, uh, a victory Monday, as we say, and, and this leads us into a big week for us. Um, we had two big teams we're playing, or two informed teams, really, uh, Werder Bremen, they haven't lost in, in 10 matches, I think, uh, overall. 
Uh, we're playing them in the quarterfinals of the DFB Pokal match on Wednesday. And then next Saturday, we are playing against ha- uh, excuse me, Frankfurt. Um, and uh, we'll get to that match. But let's start with first the Werder Bremen matchup. Quarterfinals, we are playing not well, to be nice. And Werder Bremen are on the opposite side of the spectrum. Uh, do we do we see ourselves seeing any kind of chance against Werder? Yeah, absolutely. There's a chance, um, but you wouldn't. You, I think we're the underdog. I mean, for sure, Werder Bremen's had an excellent season. Um, they certainly seem to have our number uh, recently. Um, they, they, they have so many. I mean, Rashid's is playing great. Kruza, Eggestein. I mean, all these people are really firing on all cylinders right now. They're a very dangerous team. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult, but uh, it, I guess it'll be interesting to see how how many resources Hope Stevens decides to put towards that match, or whether or not he tries to go for the the Frankfurt game. Um, I don't think we're favored to really win either of them, so it'll be interesting to see if he tries to put all of his eggs in the Bundesliga basket, or or if he's like, hey, this is still a vehicle for us to get a trophy, maybe qualify for Europe or something. Um, if we somehow win the DFB Pokal, so wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Given the, the season, of season but we, you make it the yeah. Europe. <laughs> Unbelie- that would be unbelievable. Um, <laughs> oh, that would be great. Yeah, below the top ten, but in Europe somehow. And if uh, Dortmund lose the title too, that would be even better. Oh, anyway, anyway, back. <laughs> I don't want to hate on Dortmund too much right now, man. We got we, we, we got our own problems to worry about. Yeah, I, I feel you though. Yeah, it, it's gonna. I mean, any way you slice it, it's gonna be a very very difficult week. Two quality opponents, two opponents that that in all honesty probably should take care of business against us. But that, that's why this past weekend was was so crucial. Like I said, I mean, this had the potential, if the results went the wrong way, for us to be level on points with Stuttgart, but instead we have a six-point gap. Um, and that's absolutely massive. So that, that gives us a little bit of breathing room and, and puts us in a little bit of a better position. Um, and, you know, if we if we don't get a good result against Frankfurt, maybe we can afford to have that result go poorly because of the position we put ourselves in this past weekend. So that, that was very positive. Um. Uh, you know, we do have a six-point gap now over Stuttgart, and so you think, okay, well, here maybe we should, uh, maybe we should put our, our, our we should put our um, eggs in the basket, or not necessarily in the basket, but spread it out a little bit. Go after the DFP Pokal. Maybe we, maybe we can get lucky in that tournament. Maybe if Heidenheim pulls off a miracle of miracles, well, that'll open the door for us. But um, you know, not many, like you said, not many people are going to think that we're going to be either Werder or or Frankfurt, and so we're thinking, okay, well, let's see, let's go for deep people cow this week, see what happens. But we can't take the weekend too lightly because Stuttgart, they're obviously still very much in the mix of trying to get out, and their next opponent is Nuremberg, and uh, they're ahead of Nuremberg, so you would expect Stuttgart to win this type type of game. Uh, Nuremberg have not been. Uh, the most um, put up much much of a fight this year. I mean, anything can happen, obviously. But um, if you if we look at it that way, Stuttgart's probably going to get a win on Saturday. Then you may have to put all your eggs in the basket for Saturday against Frankfurt. Um, but that's not an easy opponent at all, Jack. If we fast forward to to, to Saturday now, Frankfurt they're they're back in the top four. Um, they probably have one of the most potent top threes, not only in, in Germany but maybe. Yeah, you could probably say this year they're they're up there as far as in Europe. You know the the three headed monster that they have. All three guys have over ten goals. Um, Haller, Jovic, and Rebic. Uh, their team is just full of guys with itch in the last name. Uh, they're they're skilled team. I mean, they they got a great goalkeeper now, and and um, oh, what is him, Kevin Trapp? So, what do we do here? I mean. Do we put the eggs in the basket for Frankfurt, or do we just say, "Hey, let's 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 give the Pokal a chance"? 
It's it's a tough tough spot for Hoop Stevens, and we've got injuries as well, and and guys who he's people are not in favor at the moment. So it's a definitely a, a tough predicament for for Chalka here. Um, what, what what do you think should be their main focus? It's hard to say the main focus should be anything other than the Bundesliga, but right. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to depend on how confident Stevens and maybe the the hierarchy feels. Um, that we're going to avoid relegation. Like I said, this this past weekend maybe ends up playing a role in in what how the approach is this week. If this if this result was different this past weekend, maybe they maybe they don't do a whole lot against against Bremen. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I I, I think I, you, you got to try, don't you? You can't just play a reserve team against Bremen. I, I would be surprised if they do that. I think they'll go for both of them. Honestly, yeah. it's just as you say, it's difficult given the injuries we have and everything, and um, you know, Bentla being suspended to the U23s and all that doesn't help so we'll see uh it'll be interesting but yeah Frankfurt's phenomenal as you say the three-headed monster is great but now they have great players all over the field too you know Kostic to Costa Justin Fernandez as well there's there's good players all over the place Frankfurt have really been a, a joy to watch this season and uh just one of the best attacks in Europe as you said yeah so it won't be easy by any stretch neither two games um so Wednesday is a DFP Pokal and then, as we said, Saturday is a game against Frankfurt. Frankfurt is also going to be a viewing party over at in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I will be there for sure. Um, the, the, it's going to be at the Germania in Columbus, if, if I'm correct. Is that right, Jack? That is correct. Yeah, so uh, definitely make it out if you guys are in the Columbus area or nearby or within driving distance. Uh, come on out. You know, say hi to the podcast. Say hi to Shaka US. Um, it's going to be a fun time. We uh, hopefully have a, get some good vibes and get a win in this weekend. But either way, come have a beer. Come have free breakfast. Uh, you can't go wrong with free breakfast and, and, and beer if we score. So um, I'm looking forward to that, certainly. I'm going to be taking off Friday myself from work, and I'm going to make the drive up. Uh, a long six-and-a-half-hour drive, but I think it'll be worth it overall. So I'm ecstatic about that. Um, yeah, so big week. Two big games. Um, we'll see. You know, come the next podcast, is it ever going to save any kind of victory, uh, victory Sunday or anything, or Monday? We'll we'll have to find out. But uh, I don't know. Uh, prospects aren't looking great at the moment, but you never know with Schalke. So uh, maybe we get some glimpses of the of the past. Um, yeah. Um, before we uh, leave this topic, anything you want to touch back, touch base on as far as uh, either the Verder game or or Frankfurt? No. I, I don't think so. It, it, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's going to be a hell of a week, man. But I'm looking forward to it. It is, it is. And then before we get out of here, we're gonna. I want to uh, pull up a story I read on uh, Deutsche Welle, um, and the title is um, "Were Schalke the makers of their own downfall?" Uh, this goes back about how Schalke is really struggling. So um, it says Schalke have been the surprise package of the campaign for all the wrong reasons, given their inability to solve a prevalent problem dating back six seasons. The Royal Blues only have themselves to blame. Um, so, at this at the, before this is before the Hanover game, they're talking about they're just three points above the relegation zone, um, and talk about how the season's been struggling. Only the this is probably the second. Well, this is not probably this is the second worst season uh, in recent memory for Schalke. Really, only the eighty two eighty three season. Uh, the Royal Blues were worse off after 26 matches. That season, they end up being relegated. Uh, and then uh, the next season, um, they avoided a repeat performance. Uh, 
So anyway, that team was really bad. This team is bad, but it's not an historic bad. Oh, it's getting there. <laughs> it's getting there. But basically, what this, this article is talking about how you know Shaka they've had a, a massive problem in the last six years. We had the you know the good old days where we're gonna, we're going to say good old days in 2011, 2012. We had Raul, we had Huntelar. Um, Huntelar was banging in goals like it was it was going out of style. What he had he had something like 48 goals in 48 games in all competitions. Uh, he won the Golden Boot in the Bundesliga with 29 goals that season. Uh, first Dutch player to do so, I believe. Um, Raul had 15 goals himself. I mean, that, that's the last time that Schalke had a goal scorer over 12 goals in a season. Uh, you know, it's been tough since then. Uh, obviously, players have come and gone with Draxler, Leroy Sané. They, you know, they contributed here and there. But uh, even Hunter wasn't himself after that season. He didn't score as many goals as then. I think the most he scored after that was maybe 12. I think 12. It was 12 or something. Um but yeah, I mean, over the last couple of seasons, Guido Burksell has been leading the way with nine goals and 11 goals over the last two seasons. Um, but this year, our leading goal scorers are Brielle Ambolo and Daniel Calagiri. And that's a whopping four goals, Jack. Um, obviously, the problem that we're having is goal scoring. We think if we can get some goals, that'll actually help a lot. No, it won't, it won't solve everything. Obviously, we have so many other problems with defensive uh, midfield issues, defensive issues. Uh, who's the goalkeeper? But I think goal scoring is the big thing that's been sticking out for us, at least for these last two years during the Tedesco era and now the Hoop Stevens era, even the Vines era. But uh, we need to find some way to score goals, Jack. And, um, you know, this is kind of why I was saying, well, part of my thinking is always like, you know, you should go out there and spend money on a striker. Um, even if you did that, we kind of did that with Mark Oot, and nothing's really paid off, right? If you don't have the service for him, he's not going to do, do the work he needs. So. Where, where does Shaka go from here to try to get back to their, their their old ways of not only scoring goals but winning games and being being prevalent in the uh, Bundesliga conversation, Bundesliga title conversation? What a depressing way to end the podcast. Good job, man. Wow. Well, um, you know that, that walk down memory lane of all the great players we used to have and no longer. I know. Have. Um, I mean, yeah, I think most of our problems would be solved if we still had uh, Leroy Zana on the pitch. Uh, that would that would certainly be helpful. Um, <laughs> And God, I miss I miss informed Huntelar. Oh, you know Kevin Karani back in the day. We had, some, oh, we, had some, yeah. we had some good players back in the day, man. Um, you and I have been talking about this for the better part of two seasons now. Um, the offense is awful. It, it just it just is, and it, it's been a problem since Tedesco took over. Uh, we 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 just struggle to score goals, man. And uh, it's it's really obvious and very cliche, but you're gonna have a hard time winning matches if you can't put goals in. I mean that 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 Suat Serdar goal. And we scored the one goal against Hanover, you know, one of the most, <laughs> you know, worst goal difference in the Bundesliga. We only get one past them. And that one goal against, you know, the bottom table side in the league was the first goal we scored in, you know, five Weeks. of the last, it was, yeah, yeah, five of the last seven heading into that. I mean, it, it's just absolutely dire. And, uh, you know, this, this relegation fighter and any chances we have in, in, in the DFB Pokal, we got to put some goals into that. And uh, I don't know what the answer is, man. Um, I mean, obviously, Guido Bergstaller is not enough. To be like the man for us, if if we have any uh, ambitions for Europe, um, we were hopeful that Mark Ut could have been that. Uh, he's been disappointing, and obviously the whole team's been kind of a dumpster fire. So it's difficult to judge a lot of these guys individually and say that you know Mark Ut is absolutely not the answer there. Or this guy's absolutely not the answer. Um, you know, I think if we just get if we get a couple better creative players. Um, I think guys like Mbolo can be productive, man. I mean, if he stays healthy, like I, th- I think we have 
a couple guys that have the talent. It just, you know, it, yeah, I think it's more um, the, the team as a unit just is not cohesive going forward. And this is what we were talking about earlier with Mascarell and all those people. Like, it, it just, it, the way we try to attack the field uh, is just not going to yield a lot of. Too predictable. Way yeah, too it, predictable. It, it, it's way too predictable, and it's not going to yield a lot of high percentage opportunities. Um, because none of it's going down the center, and you know it's yeah, it, it's a whole thing. So, and one of the differences from last year too is you know how dangerous Amin Harit was, right? And he's barely been on the pitch this season. Yep, and then when he's been there, he's yeah. not been doing that much. So, I mean, Naldo six goals for us last season. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's tough. I don't I don't have all the answers, man. I'm not going to pretend I do. Uh, this off season is going to be huge. Hopefully. We're still in the Bundesliga because otherwise, you know, <laughs> the invest, any investment we might have is not going to be as important. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, definitely, definitely, some things got to change. I'm sure we're going to see a pretty significant shakeup in the squad over the summer. Yeah, and we're going to have confidence in, in Jochen Schneider, and hopefully that he can uh, bring some of that Leipzig uh, magic uh, to to us in terms of the players and the quality and and the goal scoring because that's what we need at Schalke. And then you know. If he can't do it, I mean, I don't know who can. Uh, uh, well, let's not go down that road. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, we we don't know what the answer is for for Schalke, but we need to, we know they need to find goals some way somehow, and it's probably not going to come this season. So um, hopefully, the, this off season we get some a good shakeup, but uh, a shakeup that actually does something well for the team, not just to change players and for changing sake. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting off season. Hopefully, it's a season where we're going back into the Bundesliga, like you said. Uh, Nobody wants to see that uh, go down the rabbit hole of the other relegation zone. So, uh, six point cushion at the moment. Um, hopefully, we can keep that gap there or, or make it greater if we can. But um, yeah, let's let's end this podcast on a good note. Um, we got our first shutout since October in the Bundesliga. That's a long time, Jack. But uh, we got a shutout and in the win. So, um, I guess that's something to be happy about, right? Wait, what, what, I, I'm lost. What happened? I said this is our first shutout in the Bundesliga since October. Oh, I thought you said shout-out. Well, that's true. <laughs> shout-out to NBC4 Nashville, right? No. I, was like, I was like, what? Who shouted us out? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. If that's that's the first time we've had a clean sheet since September, you said? Yeah. Uh, no, no, October. It was Leipzig match uh, the first time around 0-0. And then uh, bef- the couple weeks before that, we beat Nuremberg 2 nothing. So, Or Dusseldorf. Sorry, Dusseldorf. So... Uh, yeah, it's October was the last time we got we had a shutout in the Bundesliga. We had a couple in the Champions League, but you know there were some scrub teams there. So, wow, um, what a, what, a, what a stat that is! That's that's crazy. So we end this podcast on a good note. Mic drop, boom! There we go. So, all right. So on that note, on that positive note, uh, we're gonna wrap this one up. We want to thank Deutsche Welle, Schalke. And uh, NBC4 Nashville for all the uh, great tidbits on our podcast today. A uh, special shout-out to them again. Uh, Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? Dude, we had a shout-out against Freiburg. Did we really? It was 0-0, February 16th. Well, zero. Uh, I guess. I guess I was looking for a win at that point. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jay so shout out. Jay so shout on Twitter. Out. This has been a great podcast. This is just top notch <sighs> content, folks. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, JM Mangan, J M M A N G A N on uh, on Twitter. Send us your questions. Let us know what you want to hear us discuss on the podcast. We're happy to do that. Hopefully, I will be in attendance uh, at Germania in Columbus this weekend. I, my attendance is not officially locked up yet, but Richard will be there. Anyone in the in the general area should definitely make an effort to get there. Should be a good time. Uh, usually is, and uh, you know, 
support the club as you know in a community setting you know for once a big match against frankfurt should be a good time yeah anyone in the continental united states make your way over to columbus <laughs> uh yes um yeah i'm looking forward to the uh, the, the watch party on uh, on saturday like i said i'll be driving up there on friday to uh, get there early get uh, accustomed to all the bars that are there and uh get ready for the big uh, big watch party there maybe we'll get some uh uh, some fan reactions if we can. I'll, I'll maybe I'll take my camera or something like that. So uh, we'll see. What, but it's uh, it's still a few days away. Um, big big game on Wednesday, obviously against Werder Bremen. So we can we can look forward to that. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, on Twitter or any Instagram or anywhere else, you can find me at r underscore k h a r m a n. And as always, make sure you check us out on the next podcast. Shoes. Shine, cause I